Welcome to One Hit Wonderful. I'm Frank the Third, And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. And join us as we delve into our series, Kel on Earth. Today we'll be discussing episode three, Highway to Kel. Yeah. I don't know if the episode title really fit this time. No, it didn't, actually. Like, no one said it, she didn't say it, and she wasn't even being that crazy. Yeah, I was gonna say it wasn't really about her either. No. Should have been, like, Highway to Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, actually, it would have. Um, So, before we start, we should, do you want to do rundown, run my rundown first, or do you want me to do Twitter first? We should do Twitter first. Okay. Um, I have a lot. Oh, God, I just jumped to the end again. Twitter hates me. Like, quite a bit. All right, let me scroll back down again. Should start taking pictures of it. That's too complicated. Okay. Okay, I had it all queued up and everything. I don't understand now when the app, anytime it goes to sleep, when it, like, pulls back up, it automatically jumps to the top instead of where I had it. Um, All right, well, we're going to go back to April 1st, since we last recorded on the 31st. So, uh, okay, here we go. Um, so on April, oh, I thought it started there. Um, okay, so here we go. So on April 1st, um, Heather tweeted us, um, gloom cookie, Heather Johnson. Um, and she sent us pictures from, um, Spidey's apartment or possibly Holly's from part of her amazing LA trip, which was so the bomb. Um, I retweeted them so that you guys can see the pictures. They're awesome. Thank you, Heather. Uh, then we also, um, Chris, uh, Mask C1, um, tweeted us and said, I wonder what contract those two fame-hungry whores have to prevent a Hills reunion, and sent us a, a link to the People article about how Kristen Cavallari was saying that Heidi and Spencer have something going on that they can't be a part of the Hills reunion right now. So, who knows? Probably marriage boot camp 400, if I had to guess. I'm a little shocked, too, that the two of them, of all people, would be like, we can't do it right now. Yeah. I'm like, huh? I feel like they beg for it all the time on their podcast. I know. I don't. It's crazy. I don't And Kristen Cavallari just got her own new show. Why does she want to do it? I don't know. I, I thought the whole thing was weird. Yeah. Um, and then Taylor Anderson, um, Sleazy T, our fave, one of our faves, um, on April 4th, hit us up and said her favorite quote is, what would you call Andrew? Trash. <laughs> <laughs> Literally laughed out loud. If only you threw in some Shit's Creek dialogue, life would be grand. That is your favorite show. Oh my god, it is my favorite show. I know. I'm me and Taylor's mom. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Um, and she also said that bananas, Adam's family would be a Rachel Zoe quote, which is a thousand yeah, percent that is true. true. Like totally on brand. Yes, that was good. Um, and she said the show makes her so happy that she quit PR for medicine. She was definitely the Skinner of the office. And I could see that. Sleazy T seems a very organized and together. Yeah. And like the person everyone would dump their shit on. So I think you made the right call, Taylor. Um, and, uh, I had said to Taylor that, um, uh, I said that Andrew M is very Alexis on Shit's Creek because... People who watch it would get that. Okay. And um, she said, oh my god, yes, the vocal fry, but less hair playing. And I said, we should totally take this to Broadway, do a mashup musical called Kelly's Creek. Sidebar, have you downloaded Simply the Best yet? Patrick's version on iTunes is, is on iTunes and Google Play. So those of you who watch Shit's Creek should download Patrick's version. And I am all for a musical called Kelly's Creek that is a mashup of the two. I think it would be amazeballs. Um, oh my god, it started at the beginning again. <laughs> Ugh, stupid, stupid Twitter. <laughs> Um, 
Do, do, do. <laughs> I'm going to start going behind your back and like printing them all out on paper and showing up with a document for you. Well, it didn't used to do this. Like I used to be able to just <laughs> go back. Um, all right. And then we have, do, do, do. then you guys have, oh no. Okay. That was Lee. We had a lot of Twitter too. So that's part of it. There was a lot, um, which is amazing. Okay, here we go. All right, and then Heather tweeted us on April 4th and said, you guys are cracking me up talking about my trip. As I'm laying here sick as a dog, I needed these laughs. Thanks. Fun fact about Mr. Kennedy, DJ James Kennedy. Yeah. The fucker took the photo off his Instagram two days later. <gasps> so rude. What? God forbid he has a plus size gal on his account, I guess. First of all, Heather, you are You're, not plus size. Yeah, no. By any what? stretch of the imagination. Um, and that is the shittiest thing I've ever heard. And it makes me really mad for you. He really did? Yeah. I didn't know. Did. I screenshotted it when it was still there. I think I have a screenshot of it too, but yeah, that's shitty that he would do that. What a I, loser. I wonder if it's because he, uh, this playing devil's advocate, maybe he's trying to come out with his own merch. Maybe. And that's someone else's merch and he didn't want to be promoting it. Uh, who knows? Um, and then she said, I've got several videos from See You Next Tuesday if you want me to post them, even though I'm a crappy video taker. And she did. And I retweeted them so you could all watch them. They were amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heather. Um, and then she tweeted and said, my first impressions of Kelly. I love how she's in fashion, but always looks un unkempt and schlubby. Can I work in fashion too? LOL. Also, I don't trust people that drink out of to-go cups without lids. Just asking for a spill. Yeah. Agreed. And Heather is the coffee house queen. So like I, because I don't drink coffee, I um, definitely um, bow to Heather's like coffee knowledge and lid versus no lid. But yeah, why would you run around without a lid on your coffee? Like at a to-go, that's crazy. I don't know. I don't. I'm pro-lid. I mean, the only time I would have done it if it was really hot to let it cool down a little bit first, but I wouldn't be walking around with it then. It would just sitting on the counter. Um, let's see. Um, and then Heather tweeted us and said, 25 years ago, I think she would have been really, she said I would have really been really into Kelly's assistant, Andrew. Um... <laughs> Um, agreed. Like, I could see that, too. Yeah. Uh, um, and then, oh, I don't want to click on the conversation because it's going to go away. Um, and she said back then she was into both grunge, hair metal, EMF, from, and Morrissey, quite a mix. And then she and I kind of went down a rabbit hole about I that. I no doubt you did. <laughs> that I won't subject all of you to. Um, and then, um, talking about Andrew, other Andrew, she said, OMG, thank you. I was going to use the term severely tan, but then was afraid that was actually his skin tone and I'd be called a racist. And seriously to Andrews who does that I didn't even catch that he was Andrew also too distracted by the tan and the lisp yeah I mean he's just like a gay he, raisin he looks like Countess Luann at the Halloween party a thousand percent that's exactly who he looks that's, like that's the amount of bronzer we're talking about here yeah it's pretty terrifying and then she said, also said, so sad that you're right about me knowing Bev Smith. Um, why does my brain only function for reality TV? Me too, Heather. And I knew you would know. I know it would be you and me who would have picked that out. Um, and then Lee, Lee Fenn, um, tweeted us on April 5th and said, uh, tweeted the pod and you, Mayor, and said, guys, you definitely need to come to Australia. We will, we will want, you will want to stay forever. I don't doubt that for a second. Nope. Um, Mayor, who are your favorite IG, fitness IG obsessions? Also love the runway rundown. You guys have kicked it up and out. So professional. Thank you, Lee. And then I know you guys had a little back and forth about fitness stuff. I feel like I had more than that too. And I just had a brain fart and I couldn't come up. There are many a beautiful Australian with a aspirational blog out there for me. Um, and then Chantal Williams tweeted us and said, so I did some investigating and discovered who our mystery tweeter is. Oh, did you see that? I retweeted it. And so I am going to click on this, even if it fucks everything up. Um, Skylar Wakel. And he 
set and he, she screenshot it and it was a photo and it says it was from Instagram. It says catch the Music City CMT series premiere tonight. I was part of developing and a producer on the show along with our amazing team both in the field and in post. So he produced it. Okay. Now, um, um, Chantal, we in danger, girl, because he <laughs> like tweeted like on my on my other on just my Twitter, like someone else mentioned um, Music City, and he piped in again. Like he just, I mean, not hashtag on anything. Like he must have something set, and he is coming for us. So um, I think that we should be scared. Like he's <laughs> definitely um, stalking Chantal and I, and it's a problem. Um, and then, um, all right, I may have to break down. Okay. Oh, you know what? It was, it wasn't, it was, so after that, so she sent the, um, the tweet saying who he was. And then, um, later on, um, uh, Heather tweeted again about Music City and said, I want to thank the listener who wrote you about Music City on CMT because if, because if I didn't hear you talk about it, I'd be missing out. Love it so far. Exactly like the Hills. Same EP. Adam DeVillo isn't so sad we recognize names like that. I have no life. And he type, type, like chimed in again. I was Ooh. like, so glad that you like it. I'm like, oh, oh this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially because in my back and forth with Chantal, and I don't want to click on it because it'll disappear, I basically said that I think that he was like an intern with an um, over-possessed sense of self. Um, and not an actual producer. He's sitting at home <laughs> refreshing Twitter. Yeah, because he doesn't have that many followers. I don't know. I mean, for someone who's a, a TV producer, I just wasn't really buying it. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Lee wrote in... Okay, wait. Oh, so we forgot to... Um, oh, wait. I missed one. Um, Lou at Scouting Tale. And I'm going to have to read this article because I, I didn't... I just now saw it tweeted us and said, I initially thought you all wrote this and it's an ode to Bravo's One Season Wonders on um, entertainmentweekly.com. So I'm def- I'm sorry I missed it. Oh my god. Um, I just retweeted it so everyone can read it and we're going to have to read it after this. I'm yeah. not clicking on it because it's going to ruin my life. Um, and then Chris tweeted in, one, uh, Mask C1 tweeted and said, I know that we as a podcast have moved on from the hills, but apparently Heidi has not. Um, and with a link to a um, People article about Heidi again talking about Lauren and everything else. Um, which was amazing. They're back to their, like, paparazzi in public life. Yeah. Because now they're getting all these sponsored ad type things through their podcast. So it's, like, Heidi grocery shopping with the baby in the grocery cart. And it's all about the thing that's holding the baby in the grocery cart, you know? Oh, well, she also on Snapchat prays every day with the baby. Mm. Like, she has the baby and they're, like, in a field or they're always outside. She's always like, dear Heavenly Father. I like it's on the daily. Like, every day. So I did listen to the episode with Sheena, too, and we should discuss that a little bit when you're done with Twitter. Okay. Um, And then Lee wrote and said, this might be too much of an aside, but I think it's okay to ask because it's still reality TV. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on the Queer Eye reboot, and more importantly, which of the guys do you find the hottest? Um, I said I was happy to... Pretty sure that's directed at you. Yeah, I said I would be happy to chime in. I have lots (laughs) of fucking thoughts about this. So um, I only became aware of it because one of my old coworkers, who no longer lives in the area text me um, when I guess when it first dropped and said, Oh my God, have you seen the new queer eye? You remind me so much of the hairdress, the hair guy. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch this and then get back to you. Jonathan. And let you know how I feel. Right. Um, so I watched it and immediately was like, I hate you like you, I want to murder you. And I've never been more offended in my life. Um, and she wrote back and said, Oh, I'd only watched like half of one episode and he was kind of snarky. And she's like, now that I've seen more, like, I don't think so anymore. And I'm like, thank God. Um, okay. So here are my thoughts. 
Number one, um, the only one I think, well, I, two. So Anthony, who is my least favorite cast member, but also I think he's the most attractive for sure. I haven't watched it, but from the photos I've seen and the things that I've read, I feel like that's not an uncommon thought. Yeah, no, no, no. He's like, and I, I did find out later, and I have he's a lot the to say foodie, about right? Yeah, I have a lot to say about that in a minute. Okay. Um, apparently, he was like an Instagram model, and that's how they found him in the first place. Um, and then Jonathan, if he cut that fucking stupid hair, would be really hot. He would. Like he's got a hot face when he wears it in the man bun. He looks good, but when he wears that hair down and flicks it around and plays with it, it just takes you on a screen. So I know who Jonathan is because I watch his Funny or Die show, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah, and that's what I've been telling people. Who I was like, I don't watch Game of Thrones, even though I've watched a couple episodes of Game of Thrones. It's really, really funny. Yeah, like everyone should watch that. Yeah. Now, um, the show itself, it for me, um, it's not a very bingeable show. Like I, I, the old one, it was once a week, whatever. I watched two and a half, I think in a row and it was too much gay. Like okay. it was a lot, especially <laughs> Jonathan. Like it's a lot. I was just like, a, and then I have a problem with Karamo because I remember him from the real world. And so I'm having a hard time taking him seriously as this like Oprah-esque lifestyle guru. Cause his whole, like he's supposed to be, I don't, I can't remember what his title on the show is, but basically he's like Alanya. Or, like, one of those self-help people. Like, he's supposed to help. But that's okay. not his title. Like, okay. he's supposed to arrange the dates and do whatever. And I, I don't know. It just, having seen him on The Real World, I'm having a hard time dealing with it. I haven't watched it. Um, and then, as far as fucking Anthony goes, that motherfucker. First of all, he spells his name like an asshole. Like, I <laughs> cannot stand it. Um, and in fact, like, it, like if, it's like if I was going to be in the show and I decided to spell my name P-H-R-A-N-C. Like, just fucking stop it, Anthony. <laughs> So he then, like, so you haven't seen it. So let me just tell you, let me just tell you, Meredith, who have not seen the show, what the foodie does. I don't, it's going to piss me off. Oh, it's, yeah, it's going to piss you off. Yeah. So in the first episode, which actually was a good episode, I liked it. Like, they, they helped this old guy, like, get his ex-wife back. But um, he's really into Tex-Mex. And so the Anthony is like, I'm going to teach you how to make guacamole. Well, first of all, it's the easiest fucking thing on earth to make. He put fucking Greek yogurt in it. Nope. Greek yogurt in it. No. Greek yogurt in it. <laughs> like, I was screaming at the television. Screaming at the television. That's what they do with that bullshit Trader Joe's, like, lightened up guacamole version. Yeah, no. Fuck that noise. No. So, he lost me already. Then, I go apeshit when people put tomato in it. Yeah. No. I like it. I like onions, but... Um, yes. So, then in a subsequent episode, he teaches someone how to make a grilled cheese... Yeah, exactly. And um, guess what his big hack is? His big grilled cheese secret that he's going to reveal to the world. I don't know. Butter the bread. Excuse me? Exactly. And that's not even the hack. The real hack, for those of you out here who watch that trash-ass show, if you want to make a grilled cheese, like the really crispy, amazing way, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise, You're use yeah. mayonnaise on the outside of the bread. That's the hack people don't know about. Yeah. Fucking butter. Everyone uses fucking butter. Yeah. Are you just going to put it in the pan with nothing? Yeah. That's why grilled cheese tastes good, is because yeah. they taste like butter. Yeah, so fuck you, Anthony. So, no, but I found out later that he was just, like, an Instagram model. I don't think he knows shit about food. And they were like, we're making you the food guy, and here's how to make some dumb shit that no one cares about. Well, Greek yogurt and guacamole and butter on grilled cheese, I mean, he should... He should be murdered. Yeah. Um, but, like, so that's my that's what I think about Queer Eye for the Square. I mean, yeah. I, I like... The couple episodes I saw I liked. I mean, I I've now have watched, I think, like, half of them. Again, I can't binge it. It's just 
too much gay at once. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's some good mindless fun if you're in the mood for it. Okay. Um, they also seem to have stepped it up a little bit. Um, I don't remember the first time, like, I think they're putting more money into it because one of the, there's a family of like with a million kids and the dad works like literally 20 hours a day and, um, they redo their kitchen and like get them like they redo it. Like they get a new stove and a new countertop. And I think before it was just like paint and some cheap furniture. They probably waited to see how well the first like round of episodes did or something. No, they dropped it all at once. Oh, they did? Yeah. It's Netflix. Yeah. I don't know. But, but I'm saying, I've been the original series. Like, they yeah. now are putting more Oh, 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 got it. Than the original Bravo one. Heard. But anyway, that's my uh, hard take on Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. I hope, or Queer Eye, they're not calling it for the straight guy anymore. So I hope that satisfied you, uh, Lee. Um, and then, um, let's see. I, um, oh, and I had my talk with Chantal about what I really thought about Skylar. And um, she found his LinkedIn profile. And it, seen, it says that he... Um, had an internship at Beacon Pictures, so I believe he is just an intern. So. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, but I still feel like he's coming for us, Chantal. We should be careful, girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is one of your favorite quotes. Yeah, well, because it's from Ghost. I know. <laughs> you in danger, girl. <laughs> um, then we have, let's see. Okay, when I already talked about Heather thanking us for um, uh, the listener who... Oh, yeah. See, right here. Again, Skylar Wackel replying to Heather. And I, yes, so glad you found it. CMT, Music City CMT. I'm terrified of this man. <laughs> I don't think man is the right word. Well, man child. <laughs> Intern. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, let's see, Heather uh, tweeted about Queer Eye. Uh, let's see. Um... Oh, and then Heather, and I just saw this today, I missed it. Um, it was from um, uh, Music City, uh, wrote and said, Frank, please tell me you got a kick out of this building sign and pole placement in the shot, too. And it says, coming station. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, is pretty funny. Um, okay, and then Miss Megs, and I just saw this today, I hadn't noticed it earlier, um, tweeted and said, it's true, everyone here is beautiful, you should visit. Um, I'm, I'm on it, Miss Megs, we are coming to Australia at some point, I know, point, we for need sure. to. Um, and P.S. This is Miss Megs, your number one fan. P.P.S. So excited to listen to the Kel on Earth episode. Um, well, thank you so much, Miss Megs, and we are excited to for you to listen to it. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, and then Heather tweeted us and said, I apologize if I asked this already, but did you guys listen to Heidi on Kate Casey? The show paid for Elsie's tuition. Heidi dropped out because she was already $70,000 in debt from her first year. Show wouldn't pay for hers, but and production brought Lauren Chanel bags. Which I haven't listened to, so no, I didn't... I didn't listen to that either. No, so that's really good intel. Um, that's interesting, too, that... How was Heidi already 70000 in debt? Oh, probably from buying shit. I was thinking school. I'm like, there's no way she went that in debt from one year in school, but... Right. Um, well, also, so just to piggyback off that, too... I listened to the episode of Heidi and Spencer's podcast where Sheena was on, and it was... They came out with their podcast way too late. It would have been so, like, a great, relevant, weekly thing for us to talk about on The Hills Have Size. So Sheena was, I guess, in negotiations or talks to be on The Hills. Oh, I saw someone talking about yes. that online. Yeah, yeah, and that's why she and Stacy were kind of slowly becoming this reoccurring thing. And what's interesting is that she and Stacy were roommates for a while, and Stacy moved out to move in with Holly. So they were all kind of buddy-buddy and, yeah. like, on the side. And I'm 
I'm really curious because I wonder if Spencer and Heidi were trying to create this drama and bring new people on so they would have a posse. Although I don't know why they would set it up with Heidi against them. So maybe that doesn't hold up. Um, but I guess she was pretty close and then the whole thing fell apart. Well, I mean, it would make sense in this fact that they weren't friends with Lauren. It had nothing to do with Lauren. So it would be a more Heidi right. and Spencer centric show. So it makes yeah. sense in that sense. Right. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was pretty interesting. No, but that's good. And I mean, I'm going to go back and listen to that KKC episode because I, I want to hear what she has to say. Yeah. Um, but thank you, Heather, for the intel. Um, and then Chris, uh, Mass C1, uh, tweeted us on April 11th and said, loving the latest ob- episode, Avi. Um, I knew that Nana's Mink was going to have major issues with that whole salon scene with Skinner and Serrano, and he did not disappoint. <laughs> thank you so much, Chris. You guys are the best. Um, and uh, Heather tweeted on the 12th and said, so many LOL moments in the latest pod episode. It kept me entertained on my train ride home last night. It also warded off weirdos because I was laughing out loud to myself alone. Oh, thank you, Heather. Oh. That makes me so happy to hear. Um, and I, I love warding off, warding off weirdos. We're keeping her safe. Um, let's see, then, um, okay, and then Heather and Chantal were listening to, there's, um, uh, episode, um, called, uh, or a podcast called Bachelor Party, or Hitting, or Hitting Refresh, um, and I guess they talk about Laguna Hills and, and CMT, and Chantal said, um, so I listened to this. I find it quite hilarious that Adam glossed over the whole fake aspect of the hills, especially when cast members have openly said parts of it were. Music City seems more real, even if it's not, but the hills was so um, OTT. Hmm. Um, and then Heather said, yes, I was dying, especially about how Justin and Audrina were dating for some time before he was finally on the episodes. I'm like, this conflicts with everything we already know. Yeah, that's like ridiculous and not true. Um, and then she also hit us up to uh, another episode. Um called get real which is another like cmt and i'll I'll let me retweet that right now so you guys can see so if you want to listen to it um let's see i think that might be it did you see that heather was brave enough to share a picture of her bangs with me after i talked about how bangs are triggering for me Oh, when she was a kid? Yeah. Yes, I did. It was a really cute photo, and I even said I was and like, oh, I, adorable. I rewarded Heather's courage by sharing a photo of my childhood bangs. <laughs> because I admired you, Heather, for sharing that, so I decided I would follow your lead and do the same. Um, so, well, and that's it for Twitter. That's all our Twitter. That's amazing Twitter, though. I know, it was a lot. Thank you, we can keep it coming. We love hearing from you guys. I, it's so much fun. And again, I'm sorry if I miss them sometimes. I don't know why. Like, sometimes my Twitter is really good. Or my tweet app, right? I just use a regular app. It's really good about notifying me, and sometimes it doesn't. So there's kind of no rhyme or reason to it. And I think everybody, every listener knows that I just go through fits and starts. <laughs> sometimes I'm engaged, sometimes I look at Twitter, and sometimes I really don't. Um. So now, oh, oh, the other thing I wanted to say about Twitter real quick is, so I went through and followed all I, the Kel on Earth people that had Twitter accounts. I did the same for Instagram. And I want to say that um, Andrew S., our little tan gay raisin friend, he only has like 500 followers yeah. on Twitter, which surprised me. Because even like my secret porny account has like almost 500. And I don't even use it. I love that you always refer to it as that. <laughs> my secret porny account. Um, yeah, so I did the same on Instagram. I went through and followed all the cast. And none of them are particularly interesting or doing anything that great. No. I was really hoping that the runway rundowns would get better the lower down the ladder we went, and they're not. I'm excited for Andrew S.'s runway rundown when you finally get to it. Oh, we'll get to it. We have, we have, 
We have eight episodes of people, so we need eight people, and we've only done two. So who is gracing the runway rundown today? So this week's runway rundown is Emily, whose last name is Bungert. And I'm, for some reason, I'm struggling with that. I know it's a last name and it can't be helped, but Bungert, B-U-N-G-E-R-T. So Emily is from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and she went to the Lothian College of Fashion and Design. But most interestingly, that was one of the Academy of Arts or the Art Institute of America, the the same thing that Lauren and Heidi went to. Oh. So... And when I thought about it, and back to that MTV True Life episode, I'm going to Fashion Week, that has Kelly Catrone in it, there's another student who went to AIA in that True Life. So I think their fashion programs are legit. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I would think so. Yeah. So when Emily went there, it was um, this college, but then AIA acquired this like small Minnesota college for fashion. So Emily moved to New York and she worked for Williamson PR, R&M Productions, and then she worked for Betsy Johnson. Oh, nice. Yeah, which would be really fun, actually, I would think, just because her clothes are fun. And then she worked at People's Revolution for nine years. And after that, she founded her own company in 2015. So Emily was actually at People's Rev for a long time, even after Robin left, because Robin, I think we established, left in um, 2010. Yeah. So, so Emily founded her own company called EB Consults, which I find kind of funny because it's just not that clever or fashion sounding. No. And the website is EB Consults Worldwide, which cracked me up because it reminded me of Prestige Worldwide from Step Brothers, the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So not that cool. However, so she's the founder of EB Consults, which is run out of Williamsburg, Brooklyn, because of course it is. And her partner is one Stephanie Skinner. Really? Who will be next week's Runway Rundown. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Good for Uh, Stephanie Skinner. Yeah. Other than that, Emily's not doing a damn thing. (laughs) So she's very active on Instagram and they seem to work with some really cool brands. They just did wedding fashion week and she had a lot of cool Instagrams of some really pretty wedding dresses, but her life looks very much the same as it does on Kellen earth. She works all the time. They have a staff party. It looks like once a year, maybe twice if the budget is going well, she goes on a vacation. It looks like more frequently now, but you know, cool haircut, lots of work related stuff. All right. I tried really hard to find any, like, romantic relationships or friendships with anybody. Nope. I I mean, I think that if you want to be a boss in this field, you just don't have time for that. Right. I I am... I like that she and Skinner are so close, though. And they do seem to work together well. Yeah. And ever since I discovered that they work together still now, I feel like I've been watching their relationship on the show more closely because I've just been curious to see. Um... Stephanie's up to a little bit more on social media than Emily is. So next week's runway rundown will be a little more interesting, but makes sense. Emily's the boss. Robin's very active on Twitter. Doesn't surprise me, I guess. I mean, all like hippy dippy shit, but yeah, Kelly goes through phases. I feel like sometimes Kelly tweets up a storm and other times she's pretty quiet. Yeah. So, I mean, it's cool that Emily's on Instagram and I did really enjoy the albums that she posted of this um, wedding fashion week because one of the brands they worked with was really, really pretty. Nice. Um, it was Zohair. 
Z-O-H-A-R, which I don't remember where I've heard of it. I, if I had to guess, it would be Say Yes to the Dress, but I don't think so. I may have made that up, so. I don't know. Yeah, that's all I got on Emily, guys. Minnesota. Well, I mean, now we know what she's up to. It's true. EB consults worldwide. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you ready to finally dive into this episode? I sure am. Okay. Um, anything about sort of the... We used to call them the notes up top. I don't... I feel like this is more like the scramble from last week. Yeah, I mean, we just got like a <laughs> mini recap. Basically, Kelly was fired and Stephanie's having a nervous breakdown. Skinner is having a nervous breakdown, which is weird because Skinner wasn't really in this episode that much. So I'm surprised they showed her nervous breakdown as part of the recap. This episode felt like the first one out of the three that we've now watched that the order felt really out of place. Yeah. Um, I noticed that everybody is suddenly wearing shorts again, and then we have a bigger continuity error later in the episode. So this week, the office mentions in the opening scene that they'll be working with Agent Provocateur. Or Well, I love that because you say Agent Provocateur. Um, Kelly says Agent, Provo- Agent Provocateur. Yeah. But I feel like Robin... She was... says Agent Provocateur. But sometimes, and sometimes she says Agent. So, like, I thought it was really funny that she was, like, going back and forth. I mean, I think it's, like, people who say mozzarella or mozzarella. You yeah. know, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> but I guess if my client were in my face and yeah. they represented the brand, I would probably say it how they said yeah. it. I just thought it was funny. Because they're French, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I'm... Well, I'm assuming. I assume so, too. Although their head of PR was British. But, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Well. I mean, it could be just a, a goofy French name. like Because that's like, it was funny, what, years it ago. It does sound sexier for a lingerie brand, let's be honest. I had a good friend who was like a higher up at Express. And um, there, back then, the bag, like the 90s, had like addresses on like the, this address in France. And she was like, oh no, no, it's completely made up. She's like, we have nothing to do with France at all. Yeah. I was like, oh, all right. Do you remember their men's store structure? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, I probably still have clothes somewhere in this house. <laughs> structure. So uh, People's Rev will be le- working with, I'm going to just say it how I say it, Agent Provocateur. Yeah. And this menswear designer, Nicholas Petru. Um, and did, I, they didn't say he was Spanish, right? His name isn't Spanish. No, they did not mention a nationality. Okay. Petru seems French to me as well, actually. But anyway. So... The whole office is scrambling around. There's lots of questions going on. Are we all set with the reports for the month of September? We should be. Not should be. Are we? People are very worked up in the opening scene. And then they go upstairs and they start working on a casting for the lingerie show. Well, I thought it was interesting, too, because Kelly gave a little breakdown about, like, what... Um, and I'm just going to call it Agent Provocateur. Okay. Um, what Agent Provocateur is. And she's like, it's just like the hippest, like most beautiful, hippest lingerie. And I'm like, no, it's the most expensive. Like it's the most expensive lingerie. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know back then, maybe it had a different, well, no, no. Cause that's when my friend worked at Neiman's actually it was before that. Um, but I've always just known it as like the, I mean, it's beautiful, but like, it's, it's just incredibly, I don't think of it as being hip. I think of it as being very expensive. Yeah. I mean, I think if you are a person who has money to burn and you keep up with lingerie trends, they're probably at the top, though, or close to. And well, I guess when I think of hip, I'm thinking of like hipster or someone really. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not seeing like hipsters running around an agent provocateur. Maybe she meant trendy. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's pretty. It's really pretty, but it's so expensive. Was hipster as much a present thing back in 2009 as it is right now? I'm probably not. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, So anyway, they are casting for the models for this lingerie shoot 
or lingerie show rather, and they are looking for eight great girls, thin, but not bony. <laughs> I'd be fascinated to know what the distinction is. Oh, I could tell the distinction. I mean, I saw some models that I could tell did not make the cut. They basically want a model that is a little bit fleshy. I mean, because just look at now even the Victoria's Secret models. Usually the girls who are angels, like, are not... They don't tend to be the super high fashion-y ones, because the super high fashion-y ones tend to be, like, stick skinny. Oh, I know. And even Kelly said in this, she was like, you know, even fashion people don't want to see those girls in their underwear. Uh, yeah. I would agree. But I also think, as a woman, when I look at a Victoria's Secret angel... They're pretty damn thin. Oh, they are thin, but they're not like... <laughs> they're not like I, praying but, mantis thin. Yeah, I mean, if I see an angel, I don't think like, oh my God, get her an IV drip. She's going to drop over dead. How is she standing? Because she's so skinny. Like, they just... I mean, you know, they're, they're still fleshy a little. Yeah. Some There's of them, a little j- jiggle, like in the boot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's I'm, not... I, I hear you. I'm just... I know the difference. I'm just saying, yeah. like... <laughs> To some of us, they've reached, like, <laughs> what Kelly considers, like, a thick model. Like, if I saw it on the street, I... Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's the difference between a double zero and a two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, as Kelly sees it all the time. So, whereas yeah. if I saw a runway model in person, I'd probably be alarmed. Oh, you would? Yeah. You would. I mean, I like, my friend that used to... Mo- I mean, she looked disgusting in person. Like, yeah. disgusting. Like, if you touched her, like, her bones would just snap. Yeah. So then (laughs) my favorite thing in this episode is Kelly talking to models. She has this sort of amazingly mothering tone towards all of them, but it's actually Kelly's sweeter side, which I find interesting. I would think she would treat models like shit and she does not. No, she does not. She's very sweet to all of them. And I notice compared to her employees, she's sweet to female models and male models equally. Yeah. There you go. Dispelling our pre our earlier theory. So she addresses the models before they start doing the casting and says, if you're not comfortable with nipples, boobies, bras, or your ass showing, this is not the casting for you. And it's fair. Some of this lingerie is very, very tiny. Yeah. And the one was like just pasties. Right. And I mean, I would think if you know you're going to a lingerie casting, you would be pretty comfortable with your body as a model. Yeah. I would hope. I hope no models got up and walked out. That would have looked silly. I also thought that we got um, a price point, which was interesting, because she talks about how, um, you know, part of the problem is that every fashion line wants an amazing event, but they don't want to pay for it. Like, they want the cheapest budget and, like, the most bang for their buck. Yeah. And she said that the majority of, and I'd never heard this before, that most fashion shows cost between sixty dollars and $80,000. Yeah. Robin said that. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. I did, too. I didn't know that. I wouldn't have had an accurate guess at all. And I would think a lot of it is space rental and lighting. Because that stuff is really... Right, but that stuff's really expensive. Yeah. All set stuff and space reservations. And so what Agent Provocateur is looking for is sort of an old-timey vibe. They want to do an old-fashioned... It used to be what a fashion show was, but we would consider it a presentation now. But for anyone who's seen Phantom Thread, recent example... Models used to walk around basically rich people's homes. They would be announced by name and sometimes they would carry a little paddle with a number so that if one of the women in the audience wanted to purchase that garment later, they would order, you know, number 14 in their appropriate measurements or whatever. And if you're not highfalutin and um, didn't want to watch that movie, you could also refer back to the episode of I Love Lucy where um, she and Ethel go to, I can't remember the designer, 
Um, Edith Head. I think it was Edith Head. Um, and same thing. They're, like, in the showroom, and the models are just, yeah. like, walking around. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that is the vibe that they are going for. So there is one model who is... She's very pretty, but she's stomping towards Kelly and the others a little bit. And Kelly says, why don't you smile a little bit? We're trying to sell lingerie, not beat someone up. And then Kelly says, are you American? And the girl says, no, I'm Russian. And she said, less Russian, more American. Less red, more blue, baby, more blue. (laughs) And then we got this very awkward shot of a model turning around. This is my favorite part. And did she have that lingerie on? She was part of she the She had casting. lingerie on, and she had some kind of weird headscarf right, thing almost, as well. Almost like the scarf I have on my neck right now, but oddly wrapped around her head. Mm-hmm. I think it was supposed to be like a 60s throwback thing. Um, but when you think about the show we see later, it didn't fit. No. So I don't know. Anyway. She turns around, <laughs> and right as both Frank and I squinted like dogs at the TV screen to figure out what we were looking at, you hear Kelly and the other people doing the casting <laughs> say, oh... She has a strange face. <laughs> Perfect timing. And, and she did she, have a strange face. She for very sure. much did have a strange face. But I think she had like a high fashion face. Like sometimes you see those models that um, are almost ugly. Yes. That do really well in high fashion. She had that kind of face. Yeah. Or she could do like a weird avant-garde print ad where she wears like a five foot wide brim hat or, you know, like, yeah. Anything to cover that face. (laughs) (laughs) So then they only get three models from this first casting and they realize they're going to have to do a lot more because they need five more models to complete their eight. Yes. And they start calling agencies. And part of the problem is that this show has been sold to modeling agencies as a presentation and not a show. And Kelly is calling agencies and correcting them and saying, no, it is a show. It's just a show of a slightly different format. And she when Julia Smith is who did that, who works for Agent Provocateur. Yeah. Um, and Kelly kind of does an aside and explains to us that um, a presentation generally just means the girl's standing around for hours on end. So Like that, the genetic denim thing. Exactly. So that a lot of um, agencies don't want to send their girls out for that because the girls don't want to do it. Like, they want the prestige of walking on a show. They want to actually be walking and not just standing around for hours. And so they had to call back and represent it as to what it actually was, which is an, a runway show. Right. So then from there, we go to Dex. And which we later learned is a photography studio event type space. And it looked familiar to me because I thought it was where the genetic denim presentation was. And I looked it up and it actually was. So I went back and watched a clip from the last episode. So I think Kelly has a strong relationship with this space. I feel like probably every fashion PR company does. So we meet Nicholas Petru, the designer, And Emily says that they are working with him as a favor, which I found interesting. I'm wondering a favor to who? I don't know. And I almost, I'm done. I should have looked it up, but I, so is he a women's wear designer? And now he's his first foray into men's wear? Because later when he's having a fit, he talks about like, I'm the one with the store on Madison Avenue. I'm la. So Um, this is just foray into men's wear. I mean, he must've been a women's designer previously. I don't know. I can look real quick if you want to keep talking about the other things. Um, but basically we find out that he is, they're doing a show for him. He's on a very small budget and, um, he's from Cyprus. Oh, so he's Greek. 
he's Cypriot American. Oh, according okay. to, I was like, wow, okay. Fascinating. Okay, keep, sorry, keep oh, talking. But he, um, anyway, so we go, and this is the part where we're, so we're in this space, and there's racks of clothes, and Kelly's looking at the clothes, and she basically says, um, and I think Heather and Kelly um, are, are Heather, and Kelly and I all have the same aesthetic, and Kelly kind of says, like, I like the avant-garde, I like something a little different. Yeah. Um, I actually like his clothes. So she's looking at his clothes, and they're all, they're crazy. Like, they're, like, they're checkered and patterned, and very, kind of, like, have, like, a punk rock edge to them. Um, but she says to him, like, you know, what's going to happen is you're going to have this show and everyone's going to, a lot of people are going to give you critical acclaim, but they're all going to say it's not wearable, that this isn't wearable on a daily basis and you're not going to be able to sell it. So she gives him a rundown of like, you should present this, you shouldn't present this, you should present this as wearable and basically tells him how to establish his brand in the best way possible. And you can tell that he's kind of listening to her, but not so much. And like, isn't really getting her saying like, Hey dude, like, this is, people are going to see this as couture and not something you'd wear every day. And you have to put your first, your foot, your but for, best foot forward and show your everyday stuff so that people will actually buy it. Right. So his store on Madison Avenue was women's wear. Um, and the store opened in 2006. And then in 2009, he launched a high-end men's wear collection under the name Patru Man. Okay. So, there you go. Well, that was is, the launch. We saw it. Yep. Um, and it still exists. Really? Yes. In March 2013, Petru launched his spinoff label, a diffusion line called Audience by Petru Man. The debut collection received rave reviews, and one of the pieces was included in the top 10 items for fall-winter 2014 list of the New York Times Tea Magazine. Interesting. Um, and he's been worn by Lady Gaga and Beyonce. Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, his career... Spoiler alert, Kelly didn't ruin his career. Yeah. Yep. Um, so... And then Kelly, <laughs> did you talk about sort of what the clothes looked like at all? A little bit, yeah. So the body socks, and Kelly admits that he's going to get... Well, but the body socks weren't the clothes. No, but you can see them on the racks, and Kelly is yeah. explaining them. And then she says he's going to get a lot of celebration and a lot of people wondering, like, what the hell's going on. And she says, you know, I've, I've done this for 20 years, I know how to build a brand, but you have to do what I say. <laughs> I love Kelly's one-liners. I really do. She lights up my TV viewing experience. So then we go back to the office, and we're having drama over the Petru invitations. Which, I don't understand how this happens. I don't either, and I don't understand what Stephanie Voorhees doesn't understand about postage and mailing things. Yeah, so the basic premise seems to be that the invitations for his show... um, Which he had printed and delivered to them. Somehow got quadrupled they were all not even doubles or tripled but they were quadruple versions of each one so what i'm guessing what happened is because i used to have to do mailings by myself as well the printed materials were delivered to the office and because the office was creating the list and the you know that were going to be invited they had this massive spreadsheet of people to invite and one of the interns or stephanie Voorhees. Did that thing where you turn an Excel sheet into mailing labels, printed them all out, gave them to an intern and said, start putting the labels on the center of the envelopes. This is what they should look like. So they just started slapping stickers on envelopes and then setting them into various piles, not noticing that they had seen names before. Because no one went through the spreadsheet and deduplicated it before they printed the labels. But um, correct me if I'm wrong. 
isn't the solution to that just to go through all the invitations and pull out all the duplicates, triplicates, and quadruple ones, and then there you go, you're done? That is like, I don't understand why it was like, I don't know what to do. And Kelly's like, I'm the only one that can handle this. I'll do it. And I was like, this is insane. Like, just get rid of the duplicates. What's the big deal? Yeah. Also, so I used to have to mail an organization's newsletter by myself. And it was like 1,500 to 2,000 copies. And I would go through the spreadsheet and sort it five different ways to make sure that I wouldn't get duplicates. You do it by last name, then you do it by first name, then you do it by organization, and then you do it by address. Just to make sure... You don't want to send 10 copies... To one place. Yeah. That just makes you look dumb. And I don't... Stephanie didn't get that memo, I guess. I guess not. <laughs> so then she also mentioned something about stamps. And I... What is the confusing thing about stamps? You either have them or you don't. And when you run out, you go get more. And again, I've said this before. Um, get a fucking Pitney Bowes machine. You don't need stamps. Like, they should have a Pitney Bowes mail machine in that office. Yeah. You just run them through the machine. Yeah. The teeny tiny nonprofit I worked for had one. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, I haven't worked in that many offices in my life, but I've never worked at one where people just use stamps. Like, everyone uses a mail machine. I mean, maybe they thought stamps looked nicer, but who, what? I don't know. I mean, and the other thing, too, is weren't there only 120 people invited? So they said... Stephanie drops her usual defense of she's never done it before, and she, this is a huge disaster, and she starts crying... And then I like that Emily gets madder and says, I'm going to put pajamas on. Yeah. As she stumps awake. She says she wants to be comfortable for three hours. Yeah. I guess until the workday is done or before their next event or. I'm assuming it before their next event because Emily doesn't live there. So I thought it was weird that she had pajamas in the office. Right. So then they start talking about 120 people because I guess that is the first batch of invitations. So Emily says to Stephanie Voorhees, if you can't figure out who the most important 120 people are, then maybe you shouldn't work here. Like, if you can't go through that stack and pick out 120 of the biggest names, then don't work here. And so then Stephanie Voorhees comes up with the idea that what they need to do is call Nicholas Petru and ask him. And that's when Kelly Catrone steps in and says, no, absolutely not. And Catrone sits down and goes through all those stamped envelopes by herself and picks them out. She, was, she said, I'm the only person who can do this right. And I don't get that. No. Well, I mean, I guess because they hire stupid people to work there. But, I mean, anyone should have been able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Voorhees is going down in flames. <laughs> I feel a little bit bad for her because I don't think she's getting the right direction or she's too scared to ask. Well, I, she's definitely too scared to ask because at one point, I think later, she's getting yelled at and they she says, they say like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she was like, well, I was trying to figure out how to print the labels, but I didn't want to ask. Yeah. Like, so she's definitely too afraid to ask. And Emily is quite short with her. So I get that she's scared to ask questions, but she needs to swallow her pride and ask questions instead of making mistakes and getting yelled at. It's better to ask than to get yelled at. But do we think that she's afraid to ask because, like, do you think it's the environment? And I kind of, this may be, like, I'm not on Emily Voorhees' side. I think she's an idiot. I'm on Stephanie Stephanie Voorhees' side. I'm on Emily's side. But do you think it's the case where if you are asked, if you do say, like, can you show me how to do this? It's like, oh, let's do it myself. Like, you don't know what you're doing. Like, that may be the case. Yes. Yeah. I just found it interesting that Voorhees was comfortable talking to Kelly. 
directly, like last episode, when she sat down and said, I know I'm making mistakes, and Kelly was kind of nice to her. It seems to be a working thing with Voorhees and Emily in particular. Yeah. Voorhees is not the sharpest knife in the drawer, don't get no. me wrong. But she and Emily just don't, they're not reading each other well no. whatsoever. So then Robin and Kelly are sort of discussing the Agent Provocateur show, and someone is on the phone, and the arts club of New York where they were scheduled to have this presentation slash show has pulled the plug and they no longer have a venue for their event. And apparently with no explanation, no, no nothing, which is weird. And I I don't understand how they, I'm I'm assuming they had to give them a deposit or you sign a contract. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was strange. I mean, like they would have a case to sue, I would think and be like, no, fuck you. I mean, unless your place is burned down. Yeah. You should have our event. Yeah. And I am actually, they were freaking out about it, but I, I was surprised they didn't freak out more given that invitations possibly went out already. That's what I was thinking too. It's like, you've already sent invitations and said it's going to be one place. So you have to like then email and call everyone and say, psych guys, actually it's somewhere else. It made me think that that it was entirely out of order though. And they weren't freaking out because they hadn't done invitations yet. They were just pissed off because it was a new contact and then the contact bailed. But they said numerous times in two days. I can't believe two days before. I mean, they said that. Oh, they did? Yeah, a bunch of times. Hmm. Like, can you believe two days before that they're pulling, I can't believe this. Like, they, if it had just been the nameplate, I would have been like, oh, yeah, they're screwing with us. But they both said it numerous times. Okay. Well, I don't know then. So, then what's funny is that Kelly says that she's going to send a six foot five hitman over there, uh, over this lost space. And someone says, why don't you report it to page six? And she said, page six is for kids. How about I send... No, she said page six is for punks. For punks. How about <laughs> I send a page six foot tall with a gun in my pocket over there? And she also called the whole situation a wackadoo flip of a bitch. Mm-hmm. New favorite term. Wackadoo flip of a bitch. And also, too, I'm sure she was thinking I don't have to call it page six because this is all going to be on my TV show and, you know, wait until it's on Bravo. Fuck you. Well, she was probably still mad at page six over the Ashley Dupre thing. Probably, yeah. She's not friends with them, apparently. So then she takes a walk around the neighborhood with her daughter, Ava, and she says, when you're working 16 to 18 hours a day, it's important to take a stroll. Okay. All right. I think it's important to take a nap. Um, do you want to talk about her song? That maybe this is one of her hits from her album we never got to hear. <laughs> oh, I forget what she said. She said, New York City where the girls are mean, but oh so pretty. True. Mm-hmm. although I will always come back to the moment from episode one where Kelly says there's a lot of beautiful people in New York and Andrew (laughs) Muckamel says there are a lot of really ugly people in New York too (laughs) so as they're walking around the neighborhood they see this little dog which is an Affin Pincher which I hadn't heard of it's a little black furry faced dog and you hear Kelly and her daughter say oh it looks like Coco and they stop to pet this little black dog And they ask this woman who's walking the dog what the dog's name is, and the dog's name is Coco. And Kelly says, that is our dog. Where did you get her? Turns out that the woman in the neighborhood got the dog from Staten Island, and that Kelly and her daughter had given the dog away to a nanny. A friend's nanny. A friend's nanny who lived on Staten Island. But then the friend's nanny got pregnant and didn't think she should keep the dog. And then Coco the Affin Pincher ended up living with two lesbian painters in a gorgeous loft in Tribeca, three blocks away from Kelly. Which is pretty amazing. Um, 
what I thought, did she ever, oh, she also says that she spent, well, this is weird. We think she meant $2,400 on the dog. Yeah. But she says 20000 to 400 Yeah, she choked out some weird non-existent number. Um, but did she, now, I was so concentrating on the amount. Did she happen to say why she gave the dog away? No. No. I thought it was I'm very guessing weirdly we're... irresponsible dog ownership. That happens a lot. Yeah, true, I know. <laughs> I don't want to start telling stories of people I know, because I won't, but I... Also, I think running your own business and having being a single mother all in one house. I mean, you don't need to add a dog, although the nanny. I was going to say the nanny was, was who would take care of yeah, the dog. Yeah, never mind. I and her back. daughter. I don't know. I just thought it was weird. Yeah. Because she never said like, oh, we had to give it up because blah, blah, blah. It was just like, oh, I gave it away. Yeah. And then it ended up in a shelter in Staten Island and now it's like four blocks from my house. Yeah. So I had a family member once and I heard this secondhand from my mother, but apparently a family that we're related to got sick of their dog and they lived out in the boonies and they just like took it for a drive and like let it out the door and left it. Oh. And my mom told me that when I was like five and I was traumatized for years. Like I thought that was a normal thing that people did. Well, that is very traumatizing. Yeah. I can't believe I, I'm related to someone who did that. Oh. Even if I hated a dog, I don't know if I could do that. So, I mean, I don't understand why someone would do that over just taking it to the pound. I don't know. Maybe Weird. the nearest pound was like five hours away. I don't know. And are we also assuming that Kelly <laughs> and Ava have been hanging out with the dog again? Because how would she know it was a beautiful loft? How would she know where it was? How would she know they were a lesbian couple? I don't know. I'm assuming at some point they go over to visit the dog. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it did. It was a nice block in Tribeca. I'll say that. Yeah. There you go. Coco really came up in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go back to the office and... We are back to working on the Nicholas Petru press release. This is where Voorhees, there's no excuse for Voorhees this time. So the press release for the Petru presentation went out and the designer's name was spelled incorrectly. She put an, an H, H in Nicholas and there is actually no H in Nicholas. So... Emily is understandably very frustrated that Voorhees didn't check the document. Voorhees calls herself retarded. Which we only got to hear once this episode, which was yeah. a refreshing change. It was a refreshing change, but I am going to mention it when they say it, even though I don't like saying it. Yeah. It feels important to note. And Voorhees just says, like, I can't even apologize. I made an epic mistake and it won't happen again. Okay. But. She had this very, like. What's done is done attitude about it. And I'm like, I can't take it back. I'm sorry. Underling and you fucked up big time. You should just be like, I'm so sorry. I feel horrible. And it was more just like, oh, it's done. It's done. Like it's, uh, I did it and it won't happen again. Yeah. And I'm sort of surprised that she wasn't fired on the spot for that. I'm surprised she's not fired on a daily basis. Right. For as cutthroat as they claim to be. Sending out a press release with an epic typo in it when the presentation is for that specific person, that's a fireable offense. For sure. I also want to know why Voorhees was allowed to even send out a press release. Mm. So even when I had been at an organization for six years, I would send out press releases, but never without three people approving it before I did it. You know? There was always a chain of command. Well, but I think that in this case with 
People's Revolution, it's such a small office. They're all so insanely busy that that's the kind of thing that they'd want to pass off. You know, like, you're in charge of press releases. That's what you're doing. I mean, I'm assuming it'll never happen again. Yeah, but they gave it to the girl who can't even do stamps. I'm <laughs> just saying. Yeah, I know. Don't reward her with press releases when she can't even handle stickers and envelopes. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, she says it won't happen again, and hashtag no shit. It won't. So then we go to the Petru presentation, and Kelly is helping all the young models with their clothes and their body socks. And I really enjoyed the shot we got of all these young male models standing in a circle, fully clothed with the body sock on. And one of them <laughs> looks up and says, you guys look stupid. <laughs> well, I did. Yeah, but they're all dressed the same, yeah. too. It's, it was just a sweet moment. So then this model runs over to Kelly and needs her help because he got an eyelash in his eye. But he can't unzip himself out of this body sock. And then he also has... what almost a full suit on top of it. So he needs Kelly's help to get it out. And then Kelly has this sweet description of young male models and how they're mostly straight. And a lot of them are actually surfer dudes that were approached by scouting agents and said, Hey, do you know you can make a thousand dollars a day to stand around and look beautiful? And she says, life is so cruel. Why do I have to be 44 working with all these 21 year olds? So beautiful men. I'm just too well behaved. I thought she said 19 year olds. No, she said 21. My note says 21. Oh, she said 19 about something at some point. She probably said she dropped their ages several times. In that particular quote, she said 21. She said 19 earlier, probably. They all look super young. Yeah, they do look super duper young. Yeah. But let's talk about the clothes and the body socks just real quick while we're here. Okay. I'm not not into the presentation. With the body socks? I mean, it's weird, don't get me wrong, but I'm kind of with Kelly in that when it comes to a fashion presentation, I kind of want something to be a little odd. I mean, here's, I liked the clothes and I felt like the body socks took away from that. Right. Because it was really hard to tell what the clothes looked like sometimes because the body socks, right. like it's not on skin. Like it's, it's kind of ruining, you couldn't tell sometimes where the body sock ended and the clothes began. So what I liked about it is that I thought it was a really cool way of making live models look like mannequins. There was something cool and avant-garde about that. But then some of the body socks were like bright blue or checkered or just too vibrant. And I feel like if they had been more neutral. Yeah, if they had been beige or white or black, or like I would have been fine Or with like it. charcoal gray or like, you know. But the fact that they were patterned. And bright colors. I thought it distracted from the clothes. Yes, I would agree with that. But I, I get what he was sort of on to. And I didn't hate it. You know, I can't say that I would like write about it fondly. But I thought, you know, for television, it was kind of interesting. Yeah. So I just thought I'd put that out there. So we go back to the office quickly. And Robin is on the phone trying to find a new space for the Agent Provocateur show. And they've decided that they're going to have it at the Soho Grand Hotel. In the lobby. Yes. And I've had drinks there because of this show. <laughs> um, I've had drinks there, but I can't remember if it was because of this. I mean, it was from some reality something or other. Yeah. But I can't remember if it was specific. I was this. determined that I was going to see people there, and I dragged my husband and my best friend with me. Did you, I didn't see anyone when I was there, did you? Didn't yeah. see anyone. It is a really pretty lobby, though. It is, yeah. Um, no, this was back in the day, and a lot of celebrities used to stay at the Trump Soho. 
And because I was in that neighborhood, I could have gone there. And that was Trump years ago, guys. I would not go there now. But anyway, um, what I found interesting, Robin on the phone talking to the person from the Soho Grand says that Agent Provocateur is looking for something Carlisle-like. I thought that was weird, too. That is so rude. That is just go to the Carlisle. Well, and don't tell an... I mean... Yeah. Well, it's because they want to host it downtown, and the Carlisle is an uptown hotel, but that's like calling the Four Seasons and saying you want them to be the Ritz. Yeah. It's it's not cool. And she... I wonder if she realized she shouldn't have said that. She didn't seem like it to me. I know. That's weird, though. Yeah, I thought, it, I thought the exact same thing. I love the Carlisle. I've been there, too. It's pretty. They go later this season, I think, because it's Kelly's favorite bar in New York, which I think is also why I went there, and I loved it. It's pretty. And the bar snacks are free, and they're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Inside tip, guys. So Robin admits that when this other space canceled that she had never felt more helpless. Which is kind of funny, because Robin didn't seem that panicked. Well, I, I'm assuming that we didn't get to see the panicked footage. I'm yeah. sure there has to be. I'm sure it just made it on the cutting room floor somewhere. Or maybe Robin's that zen because of all her yoga or something. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Or she's just good at hiding it. Yeah. So then we go to the back to the Patru presentation, and Emily explains a little bit of what they did for the show, which includes a big push, meaning like a media push, that typoed press release. <laughs> And they do a really good job in this scene of showing what Kelly does during something like this. She seeks out press people. If she doesn't know them already, she introduces herself. And then she brings them over to the designer physically and says, Nicholas, this is so-and-so from this publication. And Kelly does it really well, actually. Um, She tells, you see someone from L Latin America arrive. You hear that Esquire is there. Kelly tells somebody that it's the designer's birthday and he's embarrassed and he tells her not to tell the people that. And she says, why? It's good for you. It's another press angle to include. Like, why not tell them? V magazine is there. So then Kelly starts talking about how the presentation was received and that, you know, some people really appreciated it and some people thought it was a joke and that GQ almost pissed themselves. Yeah, which I thought was really funny. It was funny. Um, I also love, did you happen to catch the name of the woman from Esquire? Maybe. Her name is Nick Screws. And I don't know why, but I find that hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's a female from Esquire name? And I see. Nicole. Short for Nicole. But it was Nick. It said Nick Screws is her name. That's great. And spelled Screws. I like it. Yeah. I also like that Kelly kind of put her hands up and said, the Japanese people liked it. (laughs) (laughs) So then after the presentation is over... We see Emily have a conversation with Nicholas Petru about how his talk with the men's fashion editor from Women's Wear Daily. So it's Women's Wear Daily Men's, which Mm -hmm. is sort of confusing. But the woman's name is Jean. She, Emily's asking how the conversation was with Jean. And Nicholas Petru is pissed and acting like a child. Yeah. And so he was trying to explain his overall vibe to this fashion editor and that it was avant-garde and European. And apparently the woman said, yeah, I know I've been to Europe. Which I think is amazing. (laughs) Well, no shit she has. She's an editor for Women's Wear Daily, you dumbass. Why would he say that? And so then he says that he's not going to change his vision for a fashion editor. And Emily says, she is your new editor, though. 
meaning that now that he's in menswear, that was the one person he probably should have tried to impress. And Emily says in her confessional that he made a huge mistake by being rude to women's wear daily and that it made her realize that they probably shouldn't be working with a designer who does this. And I'm curious because, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, but do we think that that was after the fact? The confessional? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Like, I think that some of this is damage control. Yes. And like they said, they did, they worked with him as a favor. And I want to know what that means. I don't know. I mean, is it, is it possible? I mean, it's very possible that they had been doing, they meant it as a favor to him because maybe they had been doing his women's wear lines. Yeah. Fashion shows. And like, as a favor to him, they're then going to do this rinky dink men's collection. Yeah, maybe. But they also said he had no budget. And if he had a successful women's wear line, he couldn't like reallocate at all. That's, I don't know. That didn't make sense to me, that part. Yeah. These are things I really want to know about this show that I feel like we're just never going to know. It's like, but <laughs> like I, I mean, Spencer he got, and Heidi's apartment. But I'm wondering if, like, after the fact, because, I mean, Kelly was a producer, so I'm wondering if after the fact, if he just got, like, a really, I mean, shitty edit. Like, we're going to make him look like a dick. Maybe. I mean, he was a dick. I mean, you can't make him look like, I mean, he did these things. But I wonder if what happened later didn't transpire, if the editing would have been different. Right. And I felt like her saying, like, that's not someone we want to work with makes it seem... Was hindsight. It was hindsight, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would believe that. We also forgot to mention that when he's talking to Emily about the woman from Women's Wear Daily, he says, what's your problem, bitch? Meaning he would wanted to say that to the... To her, to the... Yeah. To the... To Jean. To the editor. Yeah. So then we go back to the office, and Emily is now on the phone with Nicholas Petru and says that we need to get paid. And... So now what has happened after the presentation is that he's trying not to pay them and is complaining about the amount of press and which press was there. And like I already said, we saw L Latin America, Esquire. We know GQ was there, even though they laughed at him. Women's Wear Daily Men's was there. V Magazine was there. Emily also says that AOL and Gap Japan were there. I wonder what Gap Japan was doing. Um, oh, well, I can sort of answer this. So Asian Gap is really high end. Cool. It's super expensive. Like if you go to the Gap in Asia, like when I went to in Hong Kong, it's insane. It's like going to like, I don't know, like Saks or something. Oh, fun. Yeah. So that would explain why maybe they were there. Okay, great. So then Emily says that he's nitpicking the job. So she conferences in Kelly on the phone. (laughs) <laughs> Kelly says, let's just put it this way. You pay us or we're taking you to court. So then, <laughs> oh, but first she cut him off and said, excuse me, I'm still speaking, which I loved. Yeah. So then Kelly gets super frustrated and says, we're keeping your images. Hang up the phone. And they also mentioned after they hung up the phone that the Wall Street Journal was also there covering him. So I don't know what press he think he's, he didn't get. That's an impressive list in these two scenes that we've seen. So they are prepared. They're going to prepare a small claims case against him. And (laughs) Kelly in her confessional says that Nicholas Petru isn't going to go as far in fashion as the end of her pinky. And after they hang up the phone in the office, Kelly posts on Facebook about what an asshole he is and purposely spells his name wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and Kelly says, if you think other PR companies don't talk to each other, we do. And then Kelly says out loud as she's typing on Facebook, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S. And it's this 
beautiful irony where Voorhees goes, no H. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag no H. So, yep, they didn't get paid. And now we're back to Agent Provocateur, 23 hours before the show, and we get to meet um, Jess Morris, who is quite possibly my new favorite person. Yes. She is in the marketing department and the head of international communication for Agent Provocateur. And she's a hip-looking lady. Oh, yeah. She looks like she works for a fashion house. She really does, yeah. Yeah. She's very tall, and she almost looks like she could have been a former model. I'm sure she was. She had the height I'm sure that she probably was a model and then transitioned into, like, the clerical side. Not clerical, but into the... Business. Business side of things. Yeah. So, then they sit down... Oh, I sound like Patrick on Vanderpump Rules. Why? What'd you say? Clerical. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you should drop some weird Game of Thrones reference. It doesn't make any sense then. So then she starts talking about how she wants candles and they have these antique bird cages and the music and they're going over the seating and Kelly says, I think we're missing a sense of urgency. (laughs) Well, before they went into the other room to talk about all of this stuff, what, and I should have pointed it out to you because I noticed it. I was dying because there was a shot of the office and there's Andrew Muckamel just sitting there in this black off the shoulder, <laughs> like bodysuit thing, um, and a collar just kind of looking dejected and staring out the window. It was hilarious. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to go back for that. So Kelly just wants everyone to hurry up because the show is tomorrow. And there is no more brainstorming and wishing. Now it's just time to do things. So Emily's checking on things as she's leaving the office for the night. And Voorhees is apparently on reports. She's working on compiling some reports for clients before Emily leaves. So then Emily leaves and she calls her sister late at night and she complains about Voorhees the whole time, basically. And did you notice the camera crew fuck up? I thought I saw a crew member in one of the shots. They they must have had two cameras and two lighting guys because there were multiple scenes yeah. where there was a cameraman and a lighting guy standing next to her from behind. They yeah. did it twice. Yeah. Which I thought, I thought was weird. Yeah. First of all, I wouldn't think you'd need two cameras for that. You could do it with one. And secondly, like, why is the one camera getting the other camera in the shot? Like, it just seemed strange. I don't know. Um, and this made me question the timeline, too, because of what Emily was wearing as she was walking home. It was nighttime, and it was very dark, but she was wearing sandals and shorts, which means it was still pretty warm. Well, September. I'm just saying. That seems more like a late August thing to me. Maybe it was a heat wave that year. Maybe. So she's still on her phone with her sister the whole time, but we get a shot of her apartment, and it's really cute. Yeah. It's a nice big apartment. I don't know if she had a roommate, but it didn't look like it. And it was a nice size apartment for one person. But I think it was the way it was being filmed. I think if we were in that apartment, I would I would guess it was probably be about the size of mine or smaller. Oh, I thought it was smaller than yours, but you have a pretty big apartment. No, my this whole place is only, um, it's like 800 square feet and I'm a two bedroom. I'm just, I don't, for one person though, this is a nice size apartment. Oh, for me, yeah. But I'm saying for hers, for New York, I thought, like, it almost fisheye lens looked like when we were, like, I think that they were making it look, I think if we were in it, we would be like, oh, this is not as big as I thought. Well, my house is small and my apartment before that was real small, so maybe I'm just, my perception is skewed. So then we get a quick scene of, and we don't get her name, do we? No, we sure do not. I'm, I think her name is Michelle. I think it comes out later. Um, I'm just going to call her Hubba Bubba. Okay, this employee of People's Revolution who is sitting in this 
it's a community working space, this office. Like, there are no cubicles or no nothing. It's just one long table with laptops just chewing away on her gum, and Emily tells her to move. But it was so annoying because they, first of all, they dubbed in the chewing sounds because they didn't match her mouth at all. I was watching both scenes, and, like, her, it, the smacking didn't go with her gut. Her mouth was closed. She wasn't, it wasn't, She wasn't blowing bubbles. She wasn't no, doing... No, but she, that's the noise we were hearing, was this, like, that they dubbed over it. Um, it was ridiculous. And her mouth was closed. Yeah. And I say this as someone, when I chew gum, I love to smack it. I, I try and do it when no one's around, because that's how much I like to do it. And she wasn't doing that. No, she wasn't. I know. Um, so I thought, I mean, I think they were trying to give us a little comic relief or something, but. It wasn't that funny. But then Hubba Bubba gets banished. Yeah. So then we get Ava's first day of school. Again. Yeah. And she's not wearing the outfit that she picked out in no. the previous episode. And I have to take umbrage with this because, so Kelly makes this big production about how she's, like, never missed the first day of school, which there have been, what, three of them? She's in second grade, so calm down. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she's like, I've never missed a, a parent-teacher conference or back-to-school night. Well, bully for you, Kelly. Like, you had a kid. Like, that's part of it. And secondly, your stuff takes place at night. Like, fashion shows are in the afternoon at night. First day of school is early in the morning, and at best is 30 minutes of your day. Yeah. Like, stop acting like you put aside the whole day. Yeah. And really made time for her. Like, fuck you. You walked her to school. Like, I mean, yes, it's nice and you should do it. And I, I'm glad that you do. But I, you're not getting a medal for me. No. I, mean, I like Kelly, but come on. She also walked from Soho to Tribeca to drop her daughter off and then went back to work. Yeah. She probably did the office coffee run and just happened to take Ava with her in one direction. Yeah. I don't, like, I, I was not getting her whole, like, I deserve a medal for this. Yeah, that was 30 minutes max yeah, both ways. Yeah, it's that. And first thing in the morning. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, know. fashion stuff doesn't start at 6 a.m. unless it's like the day of a show. And uh, even then, Kelly doesn't have to be there at 6. Like, the people setting it up have to be there at 6. Right. And as the owner of the company, if she says, I'm going to walk my daughter to school, who's going to say, you don't have time for that? No yeah, one. Because no Kelly one. will cut your head off. And also the timeline. There we go. Messed up. So we go to the Soho Grand and our girl Jess Morris from Jean Provocateur is <laughs> spinning out. She's having a meltdown. Um, and her meltdown comes with a mantra, which is bird cages, palms, candles, bird cages, palms, candles. Oh my God. Obsessed with all three things. Yes. And I also like as she's in the throes, oh, she also says in the middle. I feel like she uses the phrase in the middle. Got all the stuff in the middle, all these yeah. things in the middle. Well, but to her credit, they eventually did not. I mean, there was like a runway we see later. So yeah. she wasn't wrong. No. I don't know why they were all looking at her like you're crazy because she wasn't wrong. Yeah. I also like that she's rifling through piles of things and freaking out. She goes, I need Catrone. Yeah. Give me Catrone. <laughs> and so then Robin, Robin is proving a little useless in this scene, honestly. Yeah. She doesn't say, Jess, we've got it under control. You know, you should focus on the models or do... Like, she doesn't try and help the client calm down whatsoever, which I found interesting. She calls Kelly. Yeah. And says, you need to get here. Well, Robin's a business partner, too. She should be able to suck it up a little bit. So then Kelly said, okay, I'm on my way. Give her a cocktail. And Jess is freaking out over banana leaves versus palms. Yeah. I, I get it. They are different, but that... I think she should have more important things to worry about. Well, and I think it kind of goes back to what Kelly was saying at the beginning of the episode about how all of these fashion houses want something for nothing. And so she wants to be a perfectionist and wants everything amazing, but they don't want to pay for it. Yeah. 
just... And I didn't see a single goddamn candle. Did you? No. I didn't see one. No. I mean, she talked about candles the day before. Candle, I didn't see one candle. To be candles fair... Candles are cheap. I also don't think it was the time of day to use candles, though. No, of course not. It looked like it was four o'clock. Yeah. I mean, it was light outside. Yeah. I don't know. So then Kelly talks about how there's always this calm before the show, almost like a surfer getting up on his board to ride a wave. And I'm like, that's some like point break metaphor shit. I don't know what that was. But then we get to see the show and Kelly says people forget that fashion really is a celebration of beauty. And there's something about a woman, especially in a show like this one, celebrating her body. That's really beautiful. And the lingerie is gorgeous. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah. But I had one issue, not with the lingerie. But with the hair choice for the models, um, a lot of their hair was covering it. Yeah. Like, it was down to their boobs. I'm like, the, you couldn't see the top. Like, two of them had hair like that. The one in the captain's hat. Yeah. yeah. Well, and another one, too. And I was like, you can't even see the straps. You can't, like, that's an interesting hair choice yeah. for lingerie, which there's not much to it anyway. And then you're covering half of it up with hair. And I thought the outfit with the little military blazer and the captain's hat would have looked really cute with, like, the kind of, like, 1940s, like kind of lower up to yeah. in the back. Yeah, it would have. Yeah. I mean, I get kind of what they were going for is that like 80s Playboy look. Um, but still, it didn't, like if you're trying to showcase lingerie, let's see the lingerie. Like this wasn't a shoot for the models. It was a shoot for the outfits. Right. Yeah. And normally they don't cover the clothes with hair. No. Yeah. They don't. So it was an interesting choice. I was surprised. Good call. Um, and Kelly, again, she's very sweet to all the models and encouraging and says, flirt, flirt, flirt. And all the models do a great job. Yeah. It's a cool presentation. It was. Yeah. It was a cool show. And then we see our friend George Wayne. Yeah. So you need to point out who um, ate the crystal. Yeah. <laughs> Still alive and well. Still alive and well. I'm assuming it all came out in the wash. Came out in the doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of that at the Soho Grand. And then we go back to the office for one final scene. <laughs> Voorhees. Oh, girl. She was supposed to be burning discs. Remember that? Yes. Um, so I guess what they do is they create a report and they save it on a disc and then send it to the client. Oh, I assumed that she was supposed to be, it was like a CD-ROM of images. Or that. But that's probably part client, of the, yeah. But that's part of the reporting, probably. They send them, like, reports of, like, press reports and all that stuff and then the disc of images yeah. or whatever. Which, back in 2009, by the way, would take quite a while. That was maybe more a few years earlier, but there's all kinds of drama about printing labels and Emily yells at Voorhees and says, you're not doing anything. Um, I just said Emily is going to murder Voorhees. She really is. And then you see Emily in her confessional say she's making everything worse. And then back in the office live, Emily says, go away. And Stephanie sort of bumbles and Emily says, no, go away right now. Understandable. Yeah. Um, I have to say my takeaway from this episode is a couple things. One, there I needed more Andrew M, for sure. I know. And Skinner. Like, I feel like the, like the good people weren't in it very much at all. Um, and it was less funny because of it. Yeah, totally. I mean, they're good... Co- Andrew especially is good comic relief. Um, but I, I'm sensing a pattern now where every week we get one successful fashion show and one unsuccessful fashion show. Yeah. That seems to be the theme. Yeah. And actually, so scenes from the next, 
they go to London Fashion Week, and if memory serves, I think that's what happens yeah, there, too. Yeah, so it seems like every week. We should keep track and see if every week we have, like, a, a, okay. a positive and a negative. Okay. Um, and then, for so you already said we get London Fashion Week next week, and we also get um, Kelly's ex-husband and Ava's father, Alario. Not ex-husband, just baby daddy. Oh, baby daddy. Um, and Alario is actually my favorite Italian name. Ooh. So Kelly refers to him as very handsome. I'm curious what your initial impression was. I thought he was handsome from okay. the, what we just saw. And I, I think if I remember at the time thinking he was handsome, I need to see a little bit more of him to like refocus, but. He's, I would definitely call him handsome, but I also, not conventionally so. I yeah, well, that's what I need. I need to see. I need. Yeah, more, we I need, need to reassess. Um, but an interesting fun fact: Alario um, in English is one of my least favorite names because it's Larry. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good fact. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, well, no, because it's very common in my family. In fact, my great grandfather's name is Alario. But um, when they all came, like my family only has certain names that they just use over and over and over again. Okay. Um, and so there are a bunch of Larrys in my family. And in Italian. Are you Francesco or what are you? Um, I am, um, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think it's Francesco. I'd have okay. to look it up. <laughs> and this is Italian name yeah. hour. <laughs> so there you go. Thanks for listening to another episode of One Hit Wonderful. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at OneHitPod. You can email us at franklymarebe at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter at HeyIt'sMareB. Please remember to rate and subscribe. And have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>